Dog Days of Podcasting, Day 19, Saturday, August 22nd, 2020. Today's topic, polio part two. Of course, you have heard of the polio vaccine and all its successes, but let's go over some details anyway. Actually, things started off very badly. It's not easy to make a vaccine. 1935, two separate teams led by John Colmer and Maurice Brody developed polio vaccines and both reported their results at the same meeting in 1935. Despite promising results, both were canceled as a result of the angry reaction from other researchers, as vaccinated children had died in both studies. Colmer at Temple U in Philadelphia had developed an attenuated or weakened polio vaccine, which he tested in about 10,000 children. Five of them died and 10 more were paralyzed, usually in the arm where the vaccine was injected. He had no control group, but asserted that many more children would have gotten sick. The response from the other researchers was uncharacteristically blunt. One of them directly called him a murderer. Brody from New York University Medical College, presented his results soon after Colmer at the same meeting. But the researchers were already in an unfavorable uh, mood before Brody began speaking. Brody and his team had prepared a formaldehyde-killed poliovirus vaccine, testing it first on himself and five co-workers and eventually on 7,500 children and adults, with another 4,500 people serving as a control group. In the control group, Brody reported that one out of 900 got polio. In the group receiving the vaccine, only one out of 7,500 developed polio, making the vaccine pretty successful. However, the other researchers believe that the one case uh, who got polio, who was vaccinated, was, it was because of the vaccine. It seems hard to understand exactly what's going on here. After this meeting, Brody, whose polio vaccine was pretty good and safe, was supposedly immediately fired and had trouble finding employment again. Brody died three and a half years later of a heart attack. Colmer, on the other hand, whose vaccine was probably unsafe and ineffective, kept his job, was giving a second appointment as professor of medicine at the Temple School University of Dentistry, continued to publish research papers and received multiple awards throughout his academic career. So I don't really get the whole animosity towards Brody in this case, but that seems to be what happened. The next development was in 1948 when a research group headed by John Enders at the Children's Hospital Boston successfully cultivated the polio virus in the lab. This allowed for greater production of the virus for study and for use in making vaccines. Enders and his colleagues received the 1954 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. So in the early 1950s, as we mentioned yesterday, polio rates in the U.S. spiked. People were really freaking out, and a vaccine was sorely desired. In 1950, immunologist Hilary Koprowski in Philadelphia tested the first successful polio vaccine, I guess if you ignore Brody. He made an orally administered attenuated vaccine for polio. So attenuated again means weakened or inactive, but still a live virus. Check out the weird protocol I read for creating this virus. This is what Koprowski did. This vaccine was prepared by successive passages through the brains of Swiss albino mice, 
By the seventh passage, the vaccine strains could no longer infect nervous tissue or cause paralysis. After one to three further passages on rats, the vaccine was deemed safe for human use. Took me a little while to figure out how this works, but eventually I found it. It's pretty interesting. And it goes like this. The initial virus is applied to a foreign host, Swiss albino mice in this case. Some of these viruses will possess mutations that enable them to infect the new hosts, the mice. These mutations will spread as the mutations allow the virus to grow well in the new host. The result is a virus that is significantly different from the initial virus, and thus will not grow well in the original host when it is reintroduced. This process is known as passage, in which the virus becomes so well adapted to the foreign host that it is no longer harmful to the vaccinated subject. So it is a live virus, but cannot infect you anymore. It can only infect some other uh, animal. That is really, really fascinating science, if you ask me. I had no idea how that worked. Really interesting. In February of 1950, Koprowski's live attenuated vaccine was tested for the first time on an eight-year-old boy living at Lethworth Village, Letchworth Village, an institution for the physically and mentally disabled located in New York. After the child suffered no side effects, he enlarged his experiment to include 19 other children. Yes, it was somewhat common uh, back in the 50s and earlier uh, to use disabled people or prison populations or minorities for experiments. Not very cool. Though Koprowski was first, his vaccine was still in the research stage and would not be ready for use until five years later, uh, five years after the famous Jonas Salk's polio vaccine had reached the market. Salk's dead virus injectable vaccine killed the polio virus using formaldehyde. And the way this works, uh, from what I understand, formaldehyde will react with the DNA or the RNA in viruses. In this case, rendering the polio RNA unable to do anything. Thus, while the outside still looks like a virus, the RNA inside is dysfunctional and thus it cannot replicate. He tested his vaccine using HeLa cells. You may have heard of HeLa cells, H-E-L-A. They are named after Henrietta Lacks, and they came from uh, cancer cells from her body when she had cancer. Interesting history. If you've not read the book about Henrietta Lacks, check it out. In February of 1954, Salk's vaccine was tested at Arsenal Elementary School and the Watson Home for the Children in Pittsburgh. His vaccine was then used in a test called the Francis Field Trial, led by, led by Thomas Francis, the largest medical experiment in history at that time. It involved 1.8 million children in 44 states. The results of the successful field trials were announced on April 12, 1955, the 10th anniversary of the death of President Roosevelt. The Salk vaccine has been, had been 60 to 94% effective against the three types of polio viruses. Soon after his vaccine was licensed, licensed in 1955, children's vaccination, vaccination, vaccination campaigns were launched. In the U.S., following a mass immunization campaign promoted by the March of Dimes, the annual number of polio cases fell from 35,000 in 1953 to 6,000 in 1957 and 161 in 1961. That is super impressive. 
A little side note about the March of Dimes. In 1938, it was Roosevelt himself who founded the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis, now known as the March of Dimes, that raised money for the rehabilitation of victims of paralytic polio and was instrumental in funding the development of polio vaccines. Polio used to be called infantile paralysis. The March of Dimes changed the way it approached fundraisings. Rather than soliciting large contributions from a few people, few wealthy people, the March of Dimes sought small donations from millions of individuals. So for example, I read this. Lapel pins were sold for 10 cents each. Special, special features were produced by the motion picture studios and radio industry and nightclubs and cabarets held dances and contributed a portion of the proceeds. Thousands of people mailed cards and letters, each containing a dime to the White House. It's a hugely successful fundraising campaigns collected hundreds of millions of dollars, more than all of the other charities at the time combined with the exception of the Red Cross. <clears throat> Here's another note. While I was reading that, I came across uh, something else that said maybe FDR did not have polio. Remember, I mentioned this yesterday, but instead may have had Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a rapid onset muscle weakness caused by the immune system damaging the peripheral nervous system. Wow, confusing. Did he have polio or not? I don't know. Continuing on, while Sox vaccine was being used, Koprowski and Albert Sabin continued, continued working on developing a vaccine using live virus. Sabin and Koprowski both eventually succeeded in developing vaccines. Because of the commitment of the Sock vaccine in America, Sabin and Koprowski both did their testing outside of the U.S. Sabin in Mexico and the Soviet Union, Koprowski in the Congo and Poland. In 1957, Sabin developed a trivalent vaccine continued, containing attenuated strains of all three types of polio virus. In 1959, 10 million children in the Soviet Union received the Sabin oral vaccine. For this work, Sabin was given the, the medal of the Order of Friendship among, among Peoples, described as the Soviet Union's highest civilian honor, despite having become, an, having become an American during the height of the Cold War. He was born in Poland. Sabin's oral vaccine using attenuated polio virus came into commercial use in 1961 by putting drops of the attenuated virus on sugar cubes. Once Sabin's oral vaccine became widely available, it supplanted Salk's injected vaccine, in part due to distrust of Salk's vaccine due to, due to a manufacturing error a few years earlier that, received, that released some Salk polio vaccine where the virus wasn't properly killed. Speaking of Salk, he never received the Nobel Prize, but he was so famous that other scientists disliked him. In 1962, he funded the Salk Institute for Biological Studies at La Jolla, California, an enterprise initially funded with support from the March of Dimes. Salk's own research continued, most significantly on multiple sclerosis, cancer, and AIDS. Salk spent the later years of his life committed to developing a killed virus vaccine to prevent the development of AIDS in those infected with HIV. A global effort to eradicate polio 
led by the WHO, UNICEF, and the Rotary Foundation, began in 1988 and has relied largely on the oral polio vaccine developed by Albert Sabin. Uh, I actually found some maps that showed where polio was over time. In 1988, uh, there was polio in most of Asia, maybe all of Asia, all of Africa, all of Central America, and all of Northern South America. Now it is only in Pakistan and Afghanistan. Like smallpox, it's just about wiped out. Really amazing uh, success of the polio vaccine. Maybe in 10 years we will say it, polio doesn't exist anymore. To wrap up, uh, that's all I have about the vaccine, but to wrap up, for fun, on Facebook, I put out some calls to ask people if they remember anything about these times because now we're not going back that long ago. So uh, I got a number of responses, and they're pretty interesting. A lot of them remembered lining up in grade schools to either get the Salk vaccine shot or the Sabin sugar cubes. A number also recalled having a parent or a relative or a friend having had polio or often having post-polio syndrome. That's the, uh, whereby you might have per, a permanently weakened leg or some other limb uh, for all of your life due to polio. Uh, people remember going to school with people with polio and so on. Some of them also had what were called polio pioneer cards. This was a thank you card for being in vaccine trials. And one woman actually, uh, from, from my hometown, by the way, she posted a picture of her. She still has it. And she wrote, my dad got polio when I was four. It must have been around 1955. Uh, he was in an iron lung at then Mercy Hospital. That's where I was born, in Davenport, Iowa. My dad was paralyzed on his left side and was left with one-fourth one of a lung, uh, one-fourth lung capacity. He only lived 11 more years. Those first years at home, we were very much ostracized by most neighbors. So those days were scary times. Another lady wrote, I was one of the first people in Illinois to get the vaccine. That is because we live next door to a physician and he got it for me. At the time, they were using attenuated live virus for the vaccine. A bad batch of the vaccine had been discovered. I just talked about that. And my mom had to worry about giving me the vaccine and possibly giving me polio or not giving me the vaccine and me getting polio. So either way, it could be bad. That was 1954. The doctor that lived next door kept his wife at home and she was in an iron lung. I remember going next door to visit her. There were ports on the side of the machine that you could look in, kind of like a porthole on a ship. I thought the machine was pretty cool. Mom spoke of buying meat at the meat market and having to throw it all away because the butcher fell dead that night from polio. Another person from my hometown wrote this. Polio was a huge worry for families up through the 50s. In Davenport, my hometown, pools were closed down. I was in second grade when my class was called to the cafeteria and the public health person marched us forward for the surprise shot. No fussing or crying. Wham, bam, it was done. We got two salk shots, and soon after, soon after, maybe the next year, Sabin sugar cubes were distributed to all. Another person wrote this. The polio epidemic was raging when I was about 10. In 1952, suddenly my dad called a halt to us going to the pool and other outings. I don't remember how long that lasted, but I do remember being scared of polio. My first cousin had polio. He lost his lower limbs and was on crutches. We never saw him as crippled, the word, 
the word used in those days. Also this, another person wrote, I was diagnosed with polio in 1956 in Weisboden, Germany, and spent almost a year in and out of the military hospital. His parents were in the military. I was 13 and told I was never going to walk again. Thanks to a good physical therapist, I did walk on my own after extensive rehab. Recently, doctors have diagnosed the return of polio to my body. That's interesting. So walking has again been difficult, but I am 77 and I'm dealing with it as best as I can. He said he actually caught the uh, polio in Russia uh, because his father was working there at the time. And lastly, uh, I have a friend named Birgit who I met when I lived in Switzerland, uh, whose parents are from Germany, and she wrote this. Uh, my, Birgit's, parents moved from Germany to South Africa in 1958. She says that they had a neighbor that contracted polio as a child. I remember that polio had been a big problem in South Africa. I definitely recall the polio vaccine, and my mom said I got it three times in the 60s and 70s. Anyway, there you go, all about the vaccine and what life was like in those times. Talk to you tomorrow.